It's the most wonderful time of the year. How's everyone doing today? I love this weather. I walked the dog this morning in my shirt sleeves and felt so at home. It's, I'm a different person today. My accent's probably a wee bit stronger. Everything, but there's a sudden craving for haggis. Uh, my name is Grant, and I'm one of the pastors here at New Song Church, and it's a joy uh, to be here in this position, in this place, in this time. Uh, we have a mission statement up here on the wall, to be transformed by the Holy Spirit, to follow Jesus, to love people, and do good. We, uh, last month or so, we had a series, we went through all four of these parts. If you didn't hear it, you wouldn't hear, you want to learn a bit more about our heart for ministry, our heart for people and for God, uh, that's a good place to look. It's online, uh, the sermon's there. Uh, we, I just want to announce that we are having a candlelit Christmas Eve service on, guess what date this year? December 24th, yeah. Seven o'clock here. Come as you are, come as you like. There will be hot cocoa and, and snacks, and then just a really joyful celebration of all that we have been given in Christ. Uh, the next day is Christmas Day. We are not having a gathering here on Christmas morning. Uh, we want families to be together, uh, but we are producing a family devotional uh, for that morning. If you want to lead your family through some kind of worship time, then I encourage you to pick one up. Next Sunday, they will be available for everybody. Uh, New Year's Day, we will be gathering as per usual. It's the first Sunday of January. Uh, we're not going to do Soup Sunday that week. We're going to save it till the 8th because we think more people will probably attend on the 8th. And we've got a special treat on the 8th. We're actually going to move some of these chairs. I'm weird, we're, but some of you are going to resonate with this, and we're going to have a dance party right here. We're going to dance into the new year after our gathering. There'll be some funky tunes. Uh, and there'll be a chance just to hang out. We've got these lights which have never been quite put to full use. They actually are quite discotheque-like. Um, so that'll be fun on the 8th. Uh, and we'll be doing soup that day also. Soup and dancing, I don't know if they mix. We're still trying to work that one out. No dancing whilst holding a bowl of soup. Um, tonight, uh, special time, 5 p.m. We did this uh, last month. Uh, the guys got together. Uh, at Glendora Market. Uh, we just put a whole bunch of tables together. So I'll be there this evening. If you don't know where that is, it's on Sunflower and, and uh, Arrow on the corner in what used to be the, was it Bread Place? Used to get. Hostess, yeah. Um, you can bring something to eat, that's fine. Or you can get something from one of the vendors there. There's all different kinds of food places, doghouse, there's tacos. A uh, bunch of guys came last time, we had a good time. Um, I just want to say, uh, also you could come and, if Art Douglas is there tonight, it's his birthday today, so you can come and say happy birthday to Art. Does anyone else have a birthday this week? Anyone else? Well, happy birthday, Art, and if you do, yeah. Tara told me to say that because you, you called her out last time. Um, Melody was going to be up here with me to announce the, the activities for the women that are coming up, but... This morning, they awoke to find a large leak in their roof, water flooding into their house from a light fixture. So Melody and Chris are currently tearing up their carpet after being on the roof, putting a tarp on there. So pray for Melody. But so I'll do my best to announce what Melody has asked me to share. Um, tomorrow evening, there's a women's cookie event at 6.30 p.m. across in the other building. Uh, and if you've never done this before, basically you are called to buy or make like one to two dozen of your favorite holiday cookies or bars or brownies and bring them and bring a recipe or the place where you bought them. 
so that you can share some good treats. Uh, and it's just a fun night of talking and hanging out. All uh, uh, women 13 and over are welcome to come tomorrow evening at 6.30 p.m. Uh, the following week on Friday at 6.30 p.m., we have Coco in the Courtyard, which is going to be hopefully out of doors. I think the weather's going to cooperate. Uh, just a really fun time of, of hanging out and uh, having some cocoa together, and that is at 6.30 p.m. next Friday the 16th. Uh, then one more thing to mention. Uh, we had a, uh, the Christmas walkthrough, and part of that, we had these different little cards with you know, Christmas messages and encouragement on them. Well, who was it? Was it the Washburns? I think it was. They took them home and crafted a really cool little garland. Yeah. So we had these cards because many of them were just left over. So Nancy uh, and others have put these together in packs. Where are those, Nancy? Do you know? Oh, we will, we will find those. They will be available on a table at the back of this room after our gathering. Mysteriously, they will appear like the ghost of Christmas past. Uh, and you can take them home, and it's just a little kit, so you can make a little garland with these messages on them. It's really cool. Um, so I'm going to pray uh, now, and um, for Josh. Josh is bringing our message today about the ghost of Christmas uh, present who appears to Mr. Scrooge. And um, I'm going to pray, and then Nancy and Dan Soika are going to come up and uh, have a reading and light our Advent candle this morning. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, uh, it is true that it is your breath in our lungs, and we use that breath to sing your praise this morning and to express our thanksgiving that when the world was dark, the light of the world stepped in, and you continue to step into the world, into the world of darkness, whether it's darkness in people's hearts or darkness uh, in our lives our minds, when we can't see or discern uh, where we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to be about. You shine your light, you illuminate our lives, and you show us a way. And it's a way that draws closer to you, but also we draw closer to one another. And in this season, we truly want that to be the case for us. May it be so for us that we are your people together, so many different ideas, perspectives, experiences, places in life, but you draw and call us together in unity by the power of your spirit that we would be a family. I pray that everyone here this morning would feel your welcome, your invitation, and the warmth and love of others. Lord, I pray for Josh as he shortly comes up to share his heart. Uh, in his times of prayer and study this week, I know you have been speaking with him, sharing your heart with him, and I pray that we would see your heart and what he shares. Bless him, Lord, as he does so, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Dan and Nancy. Awaken in the middle of a tough snore, 
and sitting up in bed to get his thoughts together, Scrooge had no occasion to be told that the bell was again upon the stroke of one. He felt that he was restored to consciousness in the right nick of time, and lying down again, took a sharp look out around the room, around the bed, for he wished to for he wished to be challenged a spirit at the moment of its appearance and did not wish to be taken by surprise and made nervous. I don't mind calling on you to believe that he was ready for any strange appearance and that nothing between a baby and a rhinoceros would have astonished him very much. Now, being prepared for almost anything, he was not by any means prepared for nothing. And consequently, when the bell struck one and no shape appeared, he was taken with a violent fit of trembling. Five minutes, 10 minutes, a quarter of an hour went by, yet nothing came. All this time he lay upon his bed, the very core and center of a blaze of light, which streamed upon it when the clock proclaimed the hour. He began to think that the source and secret of this light might be in the adjoining room from where it seemed to shine. This idea taking full possession of his mind, he got up softly and shuffled in his slippers to the door. The moment Scrooge's hand was on the lock, a strange voice called him by his name and bade him to enter. He obeyed. It was his own room, there was no doubt about that, but it had undergone a surprising transformation. There sat a jolly giant, glorious to see, who bore a glowing torch. Come in, exclaimed Ghost. Come in and know me better, man. Scrooge entered timidly and hung his head before the spirit. He was not dogged Scrooge as he had been, and though the spirit's eyes were clear and kind, he did not like to meet them. I am the ghost of Christmas present, said the spirit. Look upon me. Spirit, the Scrooge said submissively, conduct me where you will. I went forth last night on compulsion, and I learned a lesson which is working now. Tonight, if you have anything to teach me, let me profit by it. From Isaiah 40, 1 through 5. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, in the wilderness, prepare the way for, Lord, for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken." And from Colossians 1, 15 through 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, 
and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Thank you, guys. Oh, good morning, everyone. You guys doing okay this morning? I might need to do this. I know it's weird. I'm little, so. And it's going to fall a little bit. We're good. Maybe. Mm, I prefer little. Makes me feel better, because then it could be height or something else. And it's the holidays, so let me go with little. All right, uh, it's good to see you guys this morning. Um, Good to be here uh, and continue on in the series uh, that we're in as we follow along the story of the Christmas Carol. Uh, in this series, um, it is our desire to uh, follow these four uh, meetings that Scrooge had with four different spirits and parallel with the, with the nativity scene, with the um, Advent series, and parallel as well with our life. A couple of weeks ago, Grant uh, talked about the first spirit uh, Jacob Marley, who was a friend of Scrooge when he was alive, and, and from all that we can tell, he was a good friend of Scrooge, uh, appears to Scrooge in his home, and when he does so, he does with these chains that are over him, that, that are weighing him down. And there was a purpose for him going, and the purpose for him going was that Scrooge would not suffer the same fate that he would suffer. Grant said that Scrooge was in need of uh, salvation, and to have salvation, you need a savior. And Jacob Marley was looking out for his friend, and he warned him of more spirits to come. The, the next week, last week, we heard from Melody, and Melody uh, told us of the ghost of Christmas past and did a great rendition of that ghost voice, right, when he was talking to her, which I will not try to emulate. Dan, great job. I like that you went into the characters there. I would not have done that. That was great. Yeah, and she, and she was talking... Um, back and forth with this ghost, what it might have been like to have a conversation. But one of her main focus points was this concept that there's power in our past, that the things that happen in our past actually hold weight, that they've made us into the person and people that we are. And there's power. And whether we like it or not, it's there. And she pushed us forward to say, what are we gonna do with it? How do we address that power? Now, we can't do what Scrooge wanted to do, right, and just kind of throw it aside and be like, no, I'm not going to deal with my past. I'm not going to, because no matter what, it still exists. It still molded us and formed us. And I think about times when I was being raised with my, living with my mom, living with my grandparents, uh, these different experiences I have had, and I see the direct relation of how I interact with my friends, what I find joy in, how I parent, how I'm a father, how I'm a husband, that those things are affected by my past because my past has power. And today, we are going to talk about the ghost of Christmas um, present. And, and there's a question that I would like us to ask ourselves now and hopefully answer by the end. And the question is this. How, that we, how we as individuals and even collectively might have presence in the present? How can we have presence 
in the present. Because we're, we're stuck with this tension. If we deal with us right now in San Dimas on this beautiful rainy day, right? We're here in this room that we're sitting in a time that's just full of contrast, right? It's Christmas. So what does Christmas mean? Lots of gifts, right? Presents. Uh, there's this consumerism that we deal with. And I don't want to downgrade because some of you, literally, the way that you show love is gifts, and that's not a bad thing. It's not something to look down on. This is a great season for you. It's awesome to give gifts and get gifts. But there is this sense of consumerism that we feel and we can experience. And at the very same time, there's this deep sense of need, whether it's in our world or in our community or maybe even in your families, that we experience this tension of the two. That there's also this time where we celebrate, right? I love celebrating at Christmas. I love the different seasons, and Christmas is exciting for me. Uh, I think that even in these celebrations, we have traditions, right? And I think I created a tradition on accident last night. So our kids were eating dinner, slash not eating dinner, because they don't eat. Um, And I was like, hey, if you guys eat dinner, or at least take a bite, I'll give you a special drink after dinner, right? Right? I'll get you, just to be clear, it's going to be eggnog, just like a special drink. Um, that sounded bad for a second. Uh, I'll give you a special drink after, uh, oh man, uh, dinner. And Lindsay's like, I don't know that they'll really like that, you know, because not everyone's an eggnog person. Uh, I'm, I thought eggnog was okay until I found it's Brugier's eggnog. It has a little cow on the front, and it's by far the best eggnog in the world. Very thick. I know that doesn't sound good, but it's great. So I watered it down with some milk, gave it, and the kids loved it. And I was thinking as, as we went on through the night, I'm like, 30, when they're like 35 with their own family and they're getting ready for Christmas, there's probably gonna be this little thing like, it's not holidays yet, I haven't had my eggnog, right? I kind of just created that and it's crazy to think about you create these traditions and these celebrations. But even in the midst of celebration in those times, we have um, right in the same time period as that celebration, maybe in the same moment in the same person, there can also be mourning, Right? Maybe someone who used to be here isn't here anymore. Maybe there's an experience that this time provokes a memory of that's really hard. And also in this time, we take great joy because to us, a child was born. Yet we live in a fallen world that we experience every day and there's sorrow that goes with it. So we have these tensions that we have. And the question today is, what do we do with it? And I'm going to give you the answer. So at this point, after you hear the answer, you can just take off if you want and you're good to go. Um, What we're going to do with that is we are going to, with these tensions that we have, is we're going to engage them. And I believe through this story that we're following along, we figure out what that means and what that looks like. Because the ghost of Christmas present is bringing two really important gifts to Scrooge. And those gifts are perspective and, I'm going to lose them. I always do this. And awareness. Perspective and awareness. And in that, we get a lot of information, we get a lot of direction. But there's a problem with perspective and awareness because when we have perspective and we're aware, it's a little uncomfortable sometimes, right? Let's be honest, like, like it's a little bit hard to deal with things when we're aware of them. And it can be overwhelming and how do we deal with that? Well, we believe as a church, as a community, God has called us to a mission that we have on there, as Grant said. But that mission is predicated on the first words and that's to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. And I believe as we look at the ghost of Christmas present, we'll see a lot of similarities between that and the Holy Spirit. Not that this was an analog or that's what was intended, but I think there's a lot of comparisons to be drawn. 
So today, just so you know, as far as passages go, we're going to be in John. So if you just want to open there, everything will be on the board too. But we'll be bouncing around a little bit. And this first passage that I'm going to read before we jump into the story is John chapter 16. uh, And we're going to start in verse 5. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me where you are going, because I have said these things to you. This is Jesus, by the way. Sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. So we have Jesus talking about how it's better for his disciples. It's better for these people if he leaves, which always sounded really like, no, I think you got that one wrong, Jesus. Like, I'd rather have you right here with me. But the reason he's saying is that there was one that come after him that would hold a different mantle. They would hold a different responsibility. And what that one would do is actually point out the contrast in this world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And we see, as was read by uh, Dan earlier, and I'm going to repeat just a couple of these because this was a uh, part I was going into anyway. Uh, we see uh, Scrooge being all ready for everything, right? He's already seen it. Craziness has happened. He's good to go. And it says, now being prepared for almost anything, he was not by any means prepared for nothing. And consequently, when the bell struck one and no shape appeared, he was taken with violent fit of trembling. Five minutes, 10 minutes, a quarter of an hour went by, yet nothing. See, the other two spirits, when they came before, they confronted him. And we'll see, even at the end of this chapter, I'm not going ahead, it's in this chapter, uh, the spirit of Christmas uh, future confronts him. But this one's different. This interaction is different. We see a little bit later that there's this, this light that is drawing him in. And then it goes on a little bit later. He hears, a, he hears the voice once again that says, come in, exclaimed the ghost. Come in and know me better, man that we see that there's this, this, this difference in this spirit, the spirit of Christmas present that beckons him, that beckons him to participate, to draw near, to move towards him. See, because what it's doing is it's actually saying that, that, I, that there's movement needed to draw you in, that there's effort needed to be aware and have a different perspective, that we have to put effort towards that. And that if we do that, that we'll be put in situations where we have this tension. And the tension is whether we should engage what we see and what we experience or not. And that is the story that uh, Scrooge is about to enter into. And we see as he sees this great, crazy sight, right? All these different things that, that are there from food to fruits to vegetables to animals, all these different things that he sees And the spirit tells him and tells him to grab his cloak. And when he does, it says this happens. Holly, mistletoe, red berries, ivy, turkey, geese, game, poultry, brawn, meat, pigs, sausages, oysters, pies, puddings, fruit, and punch all vanished instantly. And so did the room, the fire, the ruddy glow, the hour of the night. And they stood in the city streets on Christmas morning where, for the weather was severe, the people made a rough but brisk and not unpleasant kind of music. We see in the story that there's this huge contrast. 
This contrast from plenty and abundance to reality. And if we look at this reality from the outside, if we just took a picture of it and we weren't there, it would look bleak. It would not look good. But there's this thing that we see that's happening that Scrooge is experiencing maybe for the first time. And it goes on to say this a little bit later. It says, there was nothing very cheerful in this climate or town. And yet was there an air of cheerfulness abroad that the clearest summer air, the brightest summer sun might have endeavored to diffuse in vain. We see that even in the midst of this dreary picture, if you just saw it, it would look really drab, it would look really bad. But, but Scrooge experiencing it, he's like, there's this weird cheerfulness in the midst of what looks like a bad situation. And I think this put out something that was really hard for me to contest with. And that's this reality, that's this tension that it's a little bit easier to ignore what's happening. That if I'm honest with you, especially in the last couple of years as we went through a pandemic and with it came a lot of issues, right? Whether they're social, political, moral, all these things. And I would just assume with anything that's even news related to be like, oh, like, you know, like Lindsay's shocked at all the stuff I don't know that's happening in our world because she's like, seriously? But there's this peace and almost obligation, especially as we're in this church, to be aware, to take in some of this information. And I would much rather just ignore it. But what happens when I ignore it, right? When, when I'm ignorant to it is that I go over here and I'm ignorant to it. And there's this thing that I wish were true and the thing that I wish were true right here, but there's all this mess in between. So I go over here and I'm turning my head to it and I'm really frustrated that I want that, but I'm not willing to put the effort in engaging what is to get it. So I sit in my want. I sit in my ignorance. See, we, we're... We, as we follow after Christ, as we believe that this, this is true, that we are transformed by the Holy Spirit, we're not afforded that uh, ability anymore. We were watching, and I know I'm mixing Christmas movies, but stick with me, I'll go right back. We were watching The Grinch, the new animated one. Uh, Lin the old school one is Lindsay's favorite movie. Uh, we're watching the new one. And in The Grinch, uh, I was watching it, and it's a little bit different. The, the Grinch is like, his heart starts getting softened a little bit through the thing. And I was like, oh, his redemption is like a process rather than an event. Like the old one, it was this event and his heart grew and everything was crazy. And the new one was different. And Lindsay's like, ooh, that'll preach. Um, so I was like, and as, as she said that, I was brought to this story and I realized that Jacob Marley was his friend. If he was gonna listen to anyone, why wouldn't it have just been him? Why wouldn't it just be that event? But there's this process that Scrooge is going through of redemption. John 8, 31 says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple and you will know truth and the truth will set you free. See, what Jesus says to us, what he's saying to these Jewish people is if you abide in my truth, if you listen to what I'm saying, and not just listen, but be my disciple, right? So I'm hearing, I'm being taught, but I'm also following. There's movement from me. If you do that, you will know truth, and truth will set you free. There's freedom in truth, and that's in direct contrast to the slavery of ignorance, right? Me sitting over here trying to avoid things puts me in a certain spot. 
But if I'm willing to engage truth, if I'm willing to step into that perspective and that awareness, then there's freedom that can be found in that. And that's a little bit hard for me to understand when I think about it, because for me, freedom's like over here where I don't have to deal with all the craziness. Like That seems like freedom to me. But as we follow after Jesus, he calls us into something more. There's this, and this is just a little bit of an aside, there's this time where they're watching the city go about its thing, and, and these people who work so hard uh, are closing down shops and their Sabbath and all that type of stuff, and, and Scrooge is questioning the spirit. He's like, hey, either you or you know, your people where you come from have all these rules and these people who work so hard, and then when they have time off to enjoy themselves, there's nothing to enjoy. It doesn't seem right. And what we need to remember, as Grant said at the very beginning, that this is actually written, and there's some commentary on the church. The church focusing so much on its religion and what it's doing that it's having a lack of awareness of, of even the people it was called to serve. And there's pieces of that we see throughout this story. And we see the Spirit start this journey with um, Scrooge, and it goes to uh, the Cratchit family. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I never read The Christmas Carol. I've seen a couple, I've seen Scrooge and a couple other ones. Never read it until now. Thank you. Um, so, as he said, encourage you to read it. I do too. Uh, because there's this whole piece, the bulk of this section is actually Scrooge just watching the family of this man that works for him. And, and it's a long period, and it's really drawn out, and it's really beautiful to see all the little nuance of the family and how it works. And as he's watching them, as he's becoming aware, as he's getting a different perspective, it all culminates in this very famous line, right? Right before it, Bob Cratchit says, a Merry Christmas to all of us, my dears. God bless us. To which Tiny Tim responds, God bless us, everyone. Now, now Scrooge sees this, and, and and he's taken by the illness of, of this little, little boy. And Scrooge talks to the spirit, and he says, Spirit, said Scrooge, with an interest he had never felt before, tell me if Tiny Tim live, will live. He wants to know what is going to happen. And the ghost responds to him, and he says, if everything stays the same, he will die. And you hear Scrooge rebuke him. No, no, this can't be true. And the spirit's response was this. What then, if he be like to die, he had better do it and decrease the, the surplus population. Now, this isn't the spirit being harsh. This is the spirit directly quoting Scrooge. Scrooge hung his head to hear his own words quoted by the spirit and was overcome with penance and grief. See, the spirit of Christmas present isn't creating this story, isn't manipulating a situation he is simply taking Scrooge's words and his opinion and the way he thought, and he's taking that and he's placing it in a context. Because it's really easy for us to have opinions and discussion and disagreement on uh, moral views and political views and even doctrinal views. But the moment that's in the context of people or a person, we become maybe a little bit less flippant, a little bit less boisterous, and maybe a little more guarded with our language. See, the awareness started to affect him. 
And the way that it affected him was that it started to change his heart. As far as missions goes, there was a thing that I've always believed in, and I believe that with missions-type work, that your heart is where you've been. It's kind of a simple little equation. Like, I have a heart that, is, that still have a little piece of my heart in, in Ukraine because I've done a missions trip there, in Thailand because I've been there, and not because I just went to that area, but because I engaged the people. It's not just an idea. I know their culture a little bit. I know how it works. And I was willing to engage what they were going through. And because of that, there's a piece of my heart that was left there. And that's what we're called to. And I think that's what Scrooge is encountering. And then the spirit takes him on this journey of which most of this is never in any movie that I've ever seen, this portion. So it's really, really good. I encourage you to read it. But in this journey, what he does is he over and over goes to these bleak areas. And there's always this light this glimmer of these people celebrating Christmas, this joy found in darkness, that if Scrooge in his own situation looked at and say, they have nothing and no reason to be joyous, and yet there was joy, and he's experiencing this. And the Spirit takes him further all the way to his own family, right? These people who he is related to and obviously not spending Christmas with, and he listens in on some of the conversation, and this is just a piece of it. It says, I have no patience with him, observes Scrooge's niece. Scrooge's niece's sisters and all the other ladies express the same opinion. Oh, I have, said Scrooge's nephew. I am sorry for him. I couldn't be angry with him if I tried. Who suffers by his ill whims? Himself, always. That there's these people and they experience the rudeness and the harshness and even in some ways the hate that comes from Scrooge and they just can't handle it. They're appalled by it. But we see his nephew has, has almost like a mercy and, and, and almost a kindness in his pity that he has for his uncle. Because he knows that by his own doing, he's created this world where his family's celebrating and having this great time and he's in this dark house all by himself. And he sees that. See, because as we follow Scrooge, we follow some of the contrasts he's experiencing. And the contrasts are this, that Scrooge is made aware. He's made aware of the contrast between his abundance and need. He's made aware of the contrast between his bah humbug, curmudgeon type way that he is and joy that can be found in and for him, at least, what seemingly is nothing. He's made aware of the contrast between his selfishness and being aware of others. And that's what we're called to. We, as we're sitting in this church, if you have uh, followed after Jesus, if you have put an effort in to seek after him and move towards him. And if you believe this mission is not just the mission of the church, but you feel called to that and provoked by that, then in that, one of the things we're called to is to look beyond ourselves, And that's hard because I'm looking out in this room and I can see the faces of people who I know right now are going through really hard things. That to even, you can't look beyond yourself because just to even deal with what's going on is almost too much. And it's hard and so this mission that we're on is hard. And if we were left 
to our own devices, if we were left to our own strength and our own ability, we would crumble and we wouldn't make it, but we aren't. See, we live in the present. Melody talked about uh, the, the birth of Jesus, right? This past thing that we celebrate, but if we, right now in the, presence, in the present, we live in a post-ascension reality, that this promised Holy Spirit that Jesus was talking about is with us. We experience that right now, and that's where we live. And because we live in that, we're able to step into these things. We don't have to sit as I would like to sit in my ignorance, sitting over here trying to avoid all the craziness of the world, but we can look up and even find joy in some of these difficult situations that we experience and lean into and make ourselves aware of. There's another part that I never knew in the story until Grant brought it to my attention in our preparation. And it's at the end of the story that, that Scrooge noticed something under the robe of the, of the spirit and it looked like a claw or maybe a hand or something. And as he points it out, the spirit reveals it to him and says, look. And what he saw was this. They were a boy and a girl, yellow, meager, ragged, scowling, wolfish, but prostrate too in their humility. There was these two children that were under his robe and Scrooge, in seeing this, kind of taken back, kind of appalled, did his best effort because they're children to say something kind. Because they're children. And he was choked because he, it was just so in contrast to what he was saying. He wasn't able to say anything but this. Spirit, are they yours? Scrooge could say no more. The spirit responds in this way. They are man's, said the spirit. Looking down upon him, and they cling to me, appealing from their fathers. This boy is ignorance, and this girl is want. John 15, 5 and 8 says this. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him he is, that, he is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. That if left to our own devices, if left to our own devices, that I would sit in my ignorance. And if I sat in my ignorance, I would be defined as one who is always in want. And in that, there would be this deep sense of discontent that I find myself in. And we see these two children surrounded. Remember the first picture where there's like pigs and fruit and all this stuff surrounded by abundance, yet withering away. Surrounded by resource, yet withering away. So my encouragement for us is that if you are here and there's a lot of need that you're experiencing, if you're mourning, if you're going through a really hard time, 
My hope is that in a very tangible way that you might experience resource and joy and peace, not just in theory, not an ethereal statement that I, that I pray it on you, which I do, I wanna pray that prayer of blessing on you, but in a tangible way through the people that sit in this room next to you as they are revealing the character of God to you. If you are sitting here this morning trapped, enslaved in your desire, maybe even to protect yourself from that which we experience in this world, my prayer for you this morning is that you might look up, that you might take the risk, not because of your own gumption or ability, but because you believe, even though you don't feel it all the time, that the Holy Spirit is with you, that you might look up, take a new perspective, be aware, not because it's your moral obligation, but because I truly believe that there's a great joy to be had in stepping into those things, a freedom to be experienced in pursuing the truth of what Jesus says. Scrooge, when he hears the Spirit respond to him, he says this, have they no refuge or resource, cried Scrooge. Are there no prisons, said the Spirit, turning on him for the last time with his own words. Are there no workhouses? Again, the Spirit is not manipulating the situation he beckoned Scrooge to enter into what is. And he put the thoughts, the actions, the bent of Scrooge just in the context of what reality was. And it's in that, as harsh as that feels, as harsh as that seems, that we see this process that is beginning of Scrooge, Scrooge's redemption. Now, this is one of the hard things about the series we're in that we've talked a lot about is that I know this is a time where it's like you would really like some good application, right? Okay, what do I do with this? Where do I go with this? What do I, that's some good information. What's the next step? Teaser, next week we're talking about future, not this week. So come back and you will get some more. But the reason I'm stopping here is this. I think that there's great value and great effort and work to be done in the question I asked us at the beginning, and that is, how do we have presence in the present because your presence is deeply, deeply valuable, not just for you, but the people that God has you in community with. We're gonna enter into a time right now of communion. And it's, it's amazing, we do communion each week and at some point you might even think in your mind, I've thought this before, is it gonna be like a strenuous thing to tie what you're saying into communion. Yet, you know, communion is central to everything we do. As we enter into communion, um, and what we'll do is we'll actually uh, take it together. There's a station here, and there's a station in the back. And you'll have a moment, the, the band will be playing, and you'll have a moment to come up and, and grab your communion and head back to your seat. Please hold on to it. Uh, as you do during the song and everything, and I'll come back up and I'll lead us through that together. But we're in the season, and the season is Advent. And, and it's a joyous time for a lot of people, and it's a sad time for some of you sitting here. I know, I can see some of you, that there's some hard times in the season. But 
there's a beautiful thing in the good and in the hard. And that is that God brought us together. See, you don't need to come into this building and only be in the good. You can come into this building on a joyous time with all the decorations and the carols and be broken. Because you're being aware, you're being true to what's going on. And in doing so, you're giving us an opportunity to have a different perspective, to maybe step into something that God's calling us to. So I just want to encourage us as we, as we get ready to take communion, as you come forward and grab these elements, that you might consider what's being done. That through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that we don't have to just in our own fortitude move forward and effort through the difficulties of this reality or celebrate the beauty of this life alone. So at this time, feel free to come up. Grant's gonna be up here with me and then uh, we have a couple in the back as well. There's tradition, um, consistency, uh, those things are a two-edged sword sometimes. That when we do something consistently, we're speaking value in, it, in our life. Um, but we can, we can fall into a rhythm, a pattern, in some sense, an obligation. As we hold these elements in our hand, as we sit in the season, both of which are, are, are parts of our tradition, are parts of something that we do a lot, I would encourage us just to pause. God, for a lot of you, has met you in different ways. Before I pray over these elements and we take it, I would encourage you just right now to consider that. When we say body given for you, what does that mean to you? What are you receiving when you hear that? What gap, what hole, what difficulty is being met in the reality that Jesus' life, Jesus' body was given for you? Let's take the body. Jesus, when he was eating with his disciples, he took a cup, which was a representation of the covenant that God had with his people. A covenant that God said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am your God and you're, you are my people and that will always be. And he redefined it. And he knew it was through the sacrifice of his blood being spilled that he would create a new covenant. So again, I encourage you in this moment, consider what that means to you. Maybe when you first heard that news, how that sat with you. Maybe over years of pursuing Jesus, how that has changed for you. Maybe you have, you're starting this process or you're still in the questioning stage. What questions do you have about this? He took the cup and he said, this is a new covenant in my blood poured out for you. Let's take the cup together. Lord, I'm so grateful for this season. I'm grateful for traditions, for 
for joys, for carols, for cookies, for all the things that come with it. I'm grateful that even in sorrow and mourning and pain and sadness, that you don't leave us alone. I pray that the community that's represented in this building that's made possible by the elements that we just took would grow deeper and deeper for each person that is sitting here. Not so that we can feel good about what we're doing, but that your existence might be revealed to a world that desperately needs it. So Lord, I pray you bless each person in this room with a deeper understanding of your presence in their life. In your name.